0: Hello there, and welcome to the Poly Podcast. My name is Torkel Tenberg, and the written versions of these episodes can be found in the blog over at polyverse.com. So before we get into today's episode three, I've got a little uh, housekeeping note to make that you may have already noticed, but if you are going over to the the blog at polywest.com and seeing the written versions you will notice that a lot of them are already out because I started the blog earlier this year so these podcasts are all past topics that I've already written about I'm sort of catching playing catch-up at the moment so they will be slightly different but I just wanted to make that clear so some of the things I'm talking about in today's one have already happened but I'm going to rephrase it, obviously, so it makes more sense. So today's topic is about a horror fiction novel that I decided to write at around the start of the year. Um, yeah, at around the start of the year, and then I started writing it a couple months into the year. So uh, I've changed the name of the project a couple times. It started off as Dan Darrigan because it's based in country, Western Australia, mainly in Dan Darrigan, but I think I've now changed it to Red World most recently. So I think that's what I might keep it as, but we'll see. So yeah, Uh, the reason why I decided to do it was to try to progress in writing, actually. Because I only started writing um, maybe a couple years into living in England. So it was fairly recently, really. Something like four years ago, maybe. Maybe. I mean, I've been writing like lyrics and things like that for a long time. But when I realized, hey, writing can actually be a really fun thing that I could do a lot. (laughs) I think it was maybe four, maybe five years ago. Yeah, maybe five years ago at most. But anyway, I've just been writing poetry and short stories, lyrics, that kind of thing, very short form things during that time. And I would love to have writing as a career in some way, or I, I want to explore it more just to be able to challenge myself and things like that. So, you know, I've I've tried writing things like screenplays, uh, comics, comics. Um, movie scripts, um, all sorts of things, collections of poetry, longer short stories, longer poems. And this year I decided, all right, let's get serious. I'm going to try writing a book, a novel specifically, because it always seemed like an impossible task, you know, to sit down and focus on one story for that long. But I thought, what the heck, you know, I might as well give it a go. I kind of wanted to I don't really. I just thought it'd always be cool to, but I didn't really consider it as a possibility. But then for some reason, something clicked and I decided it is a possibility. Um, The way it came about was sort of because I was looking at different competitions to enter. I was like browsing local publishers online and I was thinking that it would be fun to enter into a proper competition or something to try to get some feedback um, locally and to try to see if any local publishers would actually be interested in the kind of things that I'm writing. Because most of the places that I send stuff to is back in the UK. I've had a few few little things published in Perth with uh, UWA's magazine, but, you know, that's poems and short stories. So I was like, okay, let's try to have a jab at proper publishers uh, this year. So that's been my goal this year to try to actually write a longer form project. So I found a few uh, different awards they were called, like UWA's Dorothy Hewitt Award, Fremantle Press's uh, The Fogarty Literary Award. And I had an idea of like landscape based activist poetry because I thought writing things to do with WA makes sense and I haven't really written a lot of that type of thing but I, did, I have wanted to explore that and I've like dabbled slightly in it so I thought that would be a good idea to write you know, to spur myself on to write a longer form thing about that of course and I, I was already writing a lot of poetry so I was like oh I don't know that landscape poetry idea I'm not sure if I want to dive into that but then I, when I was looking at the Fremantle Press uh, Fogarty Literary Award, which was, I think, in like April or May, uh, when that was happening, I, uh, I, it just clicked for me and I, I had this idea of this uh, Dan Darrigan story, Red World, which came from a poem and a bunch of little short stories that I'd already written about this subject of this 12-year-old boy who ends up getting kidnapped by a summer camp counsellor, just like a local, friendly old man, takes takes him from the city, Joondalup, into the art back, Dan Darrigan, and his brother, his older brother, and... You know, locks them up. Horrible things happen. And then he's stuck in the outback. He escapes and he's lost in the outback. That's the idea of the story. And I say horror fiction novel, but that's sort of just how it started. And that's sort of just a good way to say it. It's like a placeholder genre. But really, it's more of a spiritual journey. I don't think... I think there's definitely parts that are horror, like the torture scenes and things like that and, you know, crimes that happen and like uh, descriptive scenes about dead animals and the way that he's feeling because of hunger and starvation and things like that. But it's more of a spiritual journey because the point of it is that you're not really sure if he's dead or alive because how is he supposed to survive in the West Australian outback with no one around? There's nothing there. He's like this little city boy. And he's having these strange hallucinations and visions because obviously he's lacking water. He's lacking food. He's under the sun constantly. There's not much shade around there. He's walking all day. So it's kind of a spiritual journey as well as a bit of a horror fiction novel. Uh, I'm just going through my notes here from the, tran- uh, the written version. <laughs> and Oh, yeah, I said here that I was 20% of the way through writing it. That's cool to update because I'm about 50% of the way through writing it now. <laughs> I am about 30,000 words in, and that's insane to me. I'm sure if some writers are listening to this, they're like, oh, yeah, that's... You know, not too crazy. It's not too crazy. I don't know how many p- pages on my docs it is. I think it's like 40 or 50 pages. But it's a lot of writing for me. I've never written something this long before. And I do want to have it about 60,000 words at least. So it'll probably be around 100 pages at least in in the doc format. I don't know how that translates to a book format. But yeah, it's definitely about halfway in terms of the storyline. I've written the first chapters. I've written the last chapters. <laughs> the last chapters are the most fun, by the way. I liked writing those the most. And now I'm filling out the middle. I'm jumping back and forth between like the start middle and the end middle. And the middle middle is like the <laughs> probably the very last thing I'm going to write because there is a big event in the, uh, yeah, it's kind of in the very middle that I want to write about. And uh, so that's where I'm at at the moment with it. I've taken a bit of a break with it because um, I actually ended up missing the deadline that I wanted to hit for the Fremantle Press Award because of a bunch of things. I was trying to write a book in like two to three months, I think it was, which is completely insane. I was working on it every day for hours, just tiring myself out. And then there was a, a cyclone that hit Geraldton and I lost power. (laughs) <laughs> to my house for a few days. Everyone lost. Everyone lost power to their houses, and that's actually in a future blog post. So I shouldn't talk about that too much. But anyway, so that slowed me down because I don't have it written anywhere else. I could have written it, but I could have written it on pen and paper, but which I do still for a lot of poetry and things like that. But then I would have had to write it up on the computer, which take which is just as takes just as much time. Uh, copying it from paper as it does thinking of what to write just because I'm that kind of a writer where I just write what comes to my head. I sort of have plot points down and then, you know, like plot points, ideas in my head of what, where this, the chapter's going, going to go today and then I'll just try to finish that chapter kind of thing. I'll, I'll fill it out. That's an interesting thing as well. I'll, I'll mention that. So I don't really know how to write a novel, by the way. <laughs> I'm learning as I go, and it's definitely I'm definitely getting better at it and the the chapters are getting better as I continue. So right now that I've been having a break with it, I've actually been reading over it and editing it every now and again because uh, my style has definitely changed a lot even in the short amount of time and in, in um, the few months that I've had doing it. But something I was going to say is when I was in England, I went to a author's reading at Edge University, and I forget who the author was, which really annoys me, but I haven't read any of her books, unfortunately. <laughs> but I was interested in what she had to say. And she said when it came to writing, her process was you have three main points, um, which is what she needs to write a book. You need something that happens at the start, like big events. You need some a big event at the start, a big event in the middle that maybe causes a twist or something like that, you know, a plot point, and then something big that happens at the end. And then once you have those, you write those out and then you fill out the in-betweens. And that sort of made sense to me and that stuck with me. I like that. So that's exactly what I've been doing <laughs> with this. That's basically my only process. I've still been writing things very descriptively and poetic very poetically at times but i'm filling it out with storyline as well which actually helped me i help. i it helped that i wrote comics uh earlier like a couple years ago because filling out the storyline in those is fairly similar to this novel actually so that actually helped that's what i was trying to say Okay, and let me read a little bit of what it's about before I get into a snippet from the novel. I think it's a snippet from towards the end of the novel. But anyway, Uh, so as I said, it's about a young boy and his older brother who are kidnapped and tortured in the outback of Western Australia by their summer camp guide. And the main bulk of the narrative is really descriptive and slow-moving and like i said there's a spiritual aspect to it as well i've written in some like fourth wall breaking where okay so it's all written from and an sort of a narrator's perspective there's there's bits obviously where characters are speaking but also the char- i don't ever mention the characters names as the narrator i'm not really sure why i chose to do that honestly i think so then you think of the characters for who they are rather than or for their actions rather than their names and so it's hard for you to apply a, a personality to them i don't know it's just sort of a thing that i wanted to try uh, i might not be in the best mindset to be thinking about it right now i haven't read over it in a few days but Uh, That's sort of a little thing to it that I just wanted to say. And the boy, obviously, he escapes and then he's lost in the outback for days upon days, weeks. He's out there for weeks. He doesn't really have any survival skills and there's minimal food and water to be found. If you've been in the outback in Western Australia, particularly around that Dandaragan area between Perth and Geraldton, uh, you know that there's not much out there. It's very sandy. It's like there's shrubbery. There's hardly even trees. And that's sort of what a lot of the narrative is about as well. Because it's, that's what I was talking about. I lost my train of thought. Because I'm writing it mainly from a narrative, a narr- narrator's perspective. Because I didn't want it to be written in first person from the boy. Because he doesn't really know what he's going through. He's too young and too inexperienced to really understand the sort of uh, emotional trauma that he's been through and stuff like that. So there's a narrator explaining it. And uh, oh no, I lost my train of thought again. Yeah, and the other part is <laughs> this is a little in depth thing, a little behind the scenes, but uh, I drive, I've driven from Geraldton to Perth quite a lot as a kid and now as an adult, you know, living in Geraldton. So I've driven along this road so many times and it goes past Dan Darrigan's general area. And so I know the landscape fairly well just from that. And I've been into many of the areas before. So a lot of it is sort of my uh, internal monologue when I'm driving these roads. A lot of it's just based on what I imagine goes on. In, the, in these desert-like landscapes when no one's looking, you know? It's, uh, yeah, so that's a little, a little snippet into the mind of it all, I guess, where it comes from. And, yeah, I don't really know. There's not much more to say. I'll probably go into it more because I know there's another blog post coming up that I'm going to make into a podcast, of course, as well. So I'll talk about it more in depth then. I'll gather my thoughts a little more. But I am going to read for you a snippet if you're interested. Um, So thanks for coming up to this point in the podcast if you're still listening. And this is a snippet from Red World from approximately, I want to say, the 2nd to 3rd. maybe second or third last chapter, so it's right at the end of the book, almost. Okay. A large and fast-moving spider scurries across the darkening sand some distance away from the boy. As a decent-sized brown snake glides out of a clump of whitish-gray rocks, it hisses with its forked tongue. Licking at the hot evening air as it lifts its head up from the ground to look down at the spider who moves across its view. The boy is now climbing up the hill, leaving behind him snapped twigs and long tracks. His body is useless, but he makes do, forcing himself along like a creature not yet evolved to cross such terrain. The spider stops, perhaps sensing the danger of the looming predator. It is a funny thing to see it moving so furiously, for it to then suddenly come to a complete halt. A black cloud plume lifts up against the gorgeous red sky from behind the hill, and the boy's sense of smell comes back once again. He is halfway up the dune now, and the foxes who followed him until the base of it have turned around and run away in the opposite direction, all making noises like animals sounding... <laughs> Sorry, I'll reread that. All making noises like animals sounding their high-pitched howling alarm to the wind. The brown snake dances over its eight-legged prey, moving side to side with its faint black stripes like a tiger shark in the water. Its rhythm is hypnotic, but its head stays ever so still, never moving from its perfect alignment with the stunned spider on the ground there in front of it. The sun is close to disappearing, and the sky is getting darker. The boy sees nothing but a burning center of white, which is at its brightest when he is facing the direction of the sun. But it is fading into a dull matte grey as night begins to take over, so he knows that he must hurry. He makes use of the small trees along the way, pulling himself up by their splintered little trunks and then kicking them with his legs once they are behind him. The glossy brown snake is even faster than it is alluring. The moon has risen in the opposite direction uh, the moon has risen from the opposite horizon and it reflects off the scales of the pretty little thing. It dances steadily, shifting until its head is above the spider. The snake strikes down at the arachnid with the precision of a gunshot, wrapping its jaw around the hairy abdomen of it, devouring the beast hole as its venom drips from the sides of its mouth like a salivating dog. The boy finally makes it to the top of the hill. He slithers around some large rocks like a horrible human canoe. But the setting sun is nowhere to be found. What is left of the red sky is shaped by a thick mist of black, followed by 10,000 burning bushes and trees as far as can be seen. An ocean of flames crackling like slapping waves. The boy sees only the white in view, now brighter than ever. It is glorious. So yeah, that was a little snippet from the book. And that's about it for today's episode. So thank you all for listening this far. And um, I'm going to share a little bit more of it definitely over the next few weeks. I'm getting back into writing it now. So there will be more to come. Uh, in podcast episodes and uh oh no i keep losing my train of thought wow really disoriented tonight <laughs> i was going to say i'm planning to finish this this year i have to see how it goes but that's the goal at the moment hopefully later this year it will all be said and done for and i'll have a a longer form project to show for it to send out to publishers in the WA area. But anyway, that's all for today. Thank you all for listening, and I might just see you in the next episode. Bye bye.